WTBN Pinellas Park. Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater has Sunday morning services at 9 a.m. and again at 1040. Join- Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. There's a second question, though, and it's this. Why did Jesus tell us to pray for our daily bread as opposed to just praying for our bread? Every word is important. We believe that that God's word is word for word inspired. And so we have this word daily here. It's not thrown in there just out of random choice. There's a design here. Why did he tell us to pray for our daily bread as opposed to just our bread? And notice again how this fourth petition specifically reads. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus didn't simply tell us to pray for God to meet our needs. He told us to pray for God to meet our daily needs. Why? Why did he put it like this? Why did Jesus put it that way in the prayer he taught his disciples? That word daily must have some significance, and we'll hear about that today on Verse by Verse. Welcome. Our teacher for this radio Bible class is Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Since 1981, Pastor Steve has been teaching and ministering there, and his ministry has expanded to include verse-by-verse ministries and this daily radio program. We're taking an in-depth look at the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew chapter 6. Today is part two of a three-part series on the phrase, Give us this day our daily bread. When we read that sentence, several questions come to mind. One of them is, what do we really need? We'll have a brief review of that today before moving on to the next important question. Why pray for daily bread rather than simply asking for God to provide? If you are able to do so, I would encourage you to follow along in your Bible and to take notes. But if you don't get it all, don't worry. I'll tell you later how you can listen to this program again. Right now, though, we need to get the class started or we won't be able to cover all the material. So here's Pastor Steve. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. This is, this is just incredible. You're, we're going to be reminded, and for some of us, learn truths about, about the Lord today that will blow your mind because he's so great. Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 says this, Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And in our Lord's day, these little birds, they were worth a couple of them, just, just a penny or a cent, whatever that was equivalent to. Was small. And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You're more valuable than many sparrows. God is so involved in this world that Jesus said that not even a single bird can die without God knowing it. And certainly it's implied ordaining it as well. I'm always reminded of this when I'm, when I'm running and I come across a, a, a dead bird. And I think about this, that that bird went down and God knew all about it, all about it. And it's just a reminder that God cares about us because Jesus went on to say that we're more valuable to him than birds. In other words, he's telling us that there are no details, no circumstances too small, too insignificant for him to be interested in and to control. Not even the hairs of our head are beyond his sovereign interest. 
Listen, you and I, if you know Jesus Christ, you have a heavenly father who's so loving that there, there isn't anything in your life that he's not concerned about. If it's important to you, it's important to him. He's, he's concerned even to the most trivial and smallest matters. Even a single hair on your head. Think about that. One single hair on your head, God is concerned about. He knows all about it. That's why scripture commands us to pray about everything, not just the big issues of life. Proverbs 3, 6 exhorts us to acknowledge him in all of our ways, not just some, all of our ways. Philippians 4, 6, in everything, Paul said, everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be known unto God. Don't be independent on some things, everything. Colossians 4, 2 commands us to be devoted to prayer, which, which essentially means that we're to be talking to God about everything, everything. That includes everything we need to maintain life. It's not only that, but it includes that. Now, we have to be very careful at this point, and I want to caution us and address an important issue. And that issue is, how do we define our needs? If the Lord promises to provide for our physical needs, how do we define needs? Because sometimes what we think is a need is only a desire. It's only a desire. Maybe a valid desire. It may even be a desire God is going to answer, answer you and your prayers for, but there's a difference between what we need and what we desire. For example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we're told that the apostle Paul was given what he called a thorn in the flesh, some kind of physical ailment that must have been just horrific. And the Bible says that Paul, Paul tells us that three times he sought the Lord to remove this. In Paul's mind, he needed this thorn removed. Probably the best guess that I have is that it was probably some serious eye ailments because there are other indications from other scriptures that Paul suffered greatly with his eyes. Regardless of what it was, Paul thought that it was a need for him to continue an effective ministry. He needed God to remove this thorn in the flesh. But you know what? God didn't see it as a need. God didn't see that as the real need, and God didn't remove it. Why? He told Paul that his real need was to maintain humility. Paul had been given so much revelation, so much insight into the ways of God, that the Lord didn't want him to be lifted up with pride. And so he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, what you think is the greatest need you have to remove that that physical ailment. I don't see it that way. Your greatest need is to have humility and dependence upon me. And Paul came to see that. Paul came to embrace that. And Paul said, I, I gladly rejoice in it because when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. I mean, all of that just illustrates that what we often think is a need is not a need, that God knows best. God knows what you need better than you know what you need. And many of our prayer requests may only reflect desires, not true needs. And as I said, it's certainly not wrong to ask God for those things we desire. If we are asking them with the motivation of of glorifying him, and God may indeed give you those desires, but he has only promised to meet our needs. And so the point is, trust the Lord. Don't be upset with him because he's not giving you what you think you need. He really does know what's best. He knows what's best for you and what you really need. And that's why Jesus commands us to ask for our needs when he tells us to pray for our daily bread. So we have established the fact that that bread means exactly what it appears to mean. 
anything necessary to sustain our lives. There's a second question, though, and it's this. Why did Jesus tell us to pray for our daily bread as opposed to just praying for our bread? Every word is important. We believe that that God's word is word for word inspired. And so we have this word daily here. It's not thrown in there just out of random choice. There's a design here. Why did he tell us to pray for our daily bread as opposed to just our bread? And notice again how this fourth petition specifically reads, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus didn't simply tell us to pray for God to meet our needs. He told us to pray for God to meet our daily needs. Why? Why did he put it like this? Well, for one reason, one reason, not the only reason, is because in our Lord's day, laborers were paid on a daily basis. They they had no such thing as a weekly paycheck or every other week or once a month. They received money daily, and usually the pay was was so low that they didn't have enough money to save and put it aside for a rainy day. They didn't have retirement funds. They didn't, they didn't have anything like that. Therefore, the pay for that day purchased food and any other necessary supplies for that day and for that day alone. In other words, these folks just live from hand to mouth, is the way we would put it. And it's with this hand to mouth condition in mind that Jesus says, ask your heavenly father to meet your daily needs. Now, most of us as prosperous Americans don't live like that. I mean, there may be some in our country, but most of us don't live like that. We don't live in a society where we're paid such low wages that we're not sure where our next meal is coming from. Most of us live very comfortably and have an overabundance of food, clothing, and other necessities. So the question is, in light of that, for us as American Christians, is this fourth petition really relevant for us? Yes, more relevant than we might realize. See, the primary reason that Jesus told us to pray for our daily needs is because the Bible makes it abundantly clear that everything you have on a daily basis comes from God. Now, I realize that often we don't think like that. We just sort of take it for granted that we have these things and we're working hard. But the Bible teaches that everything we have, whether we recognize it or not, comes from God. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul said to the very arrogant Corinthians, lifted up with pride, he said, what do you have that you did not receive? What a great question. What did you have? What do you have that you did not receive? And the answer is obvious, nothing. He said, and if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? If you received it, how can you be proud about that? It's a gift, it's a gift from God. Psalm 145, right near 147, but just two Psalms before. Psalm 145, verse 15 says, The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due time. You open your hands and satisfy the desire of every living thing. God is the one who supplies, not not our own Uh, ingenuity, not our own hard work. Now, we're to work hard, but God is the one who is supplying. And though it may look like we are the source of our own material blessings, because as I said, we work hard for our money, and as a result, we have the freedom to purchase whatever we want to purchase, yet Scripture says that whatever you and I have, you have only because God has provided it for you. James 1.17, every good thing and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. 
Consider what one Bible teacher had to say about God being the source of all material blessings. He said, everything we have is from God. It is he who brings the rain to make things grow, causes the seasons to change, produces the minerals that make the soil fertile, provides the natural resources we use to propel ourselves around, and provides the materials from which we make our clothing. God made everything. Amen to that? Everything. Thank you. Everything. Listen, in addition to causing food to grow that feeds us and providing the natural resources to clothe ourselves and shelter ourselves, God also, think about this, gives us the very air to breathe. You don't have that. You're not doing anything else. He gives us the sufficient health to go to work and earn money. And he gives us the mental and physical capacity to carry on our jobs. Listen, if he withholds any of that, you and I don't have anything. No wonder the Apostle Paul told the Athenian philosophers in Acts 17, he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And in him we live and move and exist. I heard about an arrogant scientist who told God one day that there was no more need for him because now scientists could create life without God's help. God said, oh, really? Show me. The scientist scooped up some dirt and God stopped him right away. What are you going to do with that dirt? He asked. The scientist replied that he would use it to create a life form. God said, get your own dirt. You see, God made everything. He made matter and energy, even time and space. So whatever we might do to improve our lot in life, God is the one who makes it all possible, not just by what he did in the past, but also as he sustains the universe today. Our efforts would never succeed unless God allowed them to succeed. We'll get right back to our class after we greet those of you who have just tuned in. You are listening to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class led by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you missed the start of class and would like to hear it again, please drop by our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or subscribe to our free podcasting service. That's versebyverseradio.org. Let's return to class now so that Pastor Steve can continue to explain the phrase in the Lord's Prayer, Give us this day our daily bread. Now, how should that affect the way we pray? Because after all, that's really the point of our Lord's words. Pray this way. Well, several, several ways. First of all, and I would write this down if I were you, unless you have incredible memories. First of all, realizing that God is the one who provides for our daily bread, ought to make us very grateful. We ought to be a people who give thanks on a regular basis, thankful to the Lord for all that he's given us, never taking his provisions for granted, which is what I'm afraid many of us do. I I call your attention to 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I would keep a, a bookmark in 1 Timothy because we'll be going back and forth. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now, the context is Paul opens this chapter by telling us about certain false teachers of his day who, who told the people, probably, um, espousing the belief of asceticism, which is denying yourself to abstain from marriage and abstain from certain foods. And Paul says, no, that's not right. Notice 1 Timothy 4, beginning at verse 3. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. 
for everything created by God is good. He's talking here primarily now about food. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. So in contrast to the false teachers who said, don't get married and, and restrict your, your diet and discipline yourself so that you don't enjoy all these foods, Paul is saying just the opposite. He's saying God has provided both for marriage and for food, and we ought to be thankful for both. And we ought to receive both. Certainly, we ought to be thankful for our spouses, but also for food, he says. And he said we are to receive these blessings with grateful hearts. Do you do that? Some some people don't. Certainly, non-Christians don't thank the Lord for their meals, usually. And there are many Christians who don't either. They just gobble their food down, inhale it like it's coming to them. But you know what? We're to be thankful and we're to mean what we say, not not get in a rut where we just utter these words, but to really be thankful that God has provided the meal before you and not take that for granted. If he stops giving you meals, we would understand a lot better, wouldn't we? So be grateful for that. Listen, as I said, if he chose to, you wouldn't have any daily bread to be thankful for. All the Lord needs to do is stop the rain or withhold the sun long enough and the land becomes eventually so barren so that farmers can't grow any crops and then we don't eat and in due time we die. We're to be thankful. Be thankful. Be grateful to God for everything he's provided for you and don't don't take that for granted. It's not coming to us. We don't deserve it. It's all of his grace. Secondly, a recognition that God is the source of our daily provisions, I think, ought to result in deep humility, deep humility, so that there's a humble dependence upon the Lord when we when we pray. And quite frankly, I think that's a real problem that many of us face because as, as people who have far more than we need, there is a natural tendency to become very self-sufficient and very independent and, quite frankly, to forget God, to just forget him. There's a great passage of scripture, and you should keep your place in First Timothy. But in Deuteronomy chapter 8, a marvelous statement by the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 8 is about bringing the children of Israel into the land of Canaan, the promised land. After they had been wandering for about 40 years in the wilderness, finally this generation is about to enter the land. And so the Lord tells them, the abundance that's waiting for them, the greatness. This is a land, he says, flowing with milk and honey. And, and in verses 7 through 10, he goes through through all of this. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, the land of brooks, of water, of fountains, springs, flowing forth in valleys, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig tree and pomegranates, a land of, of olive oil and honey. And, and he goes on to just speak about the blessings of this land. In verse 10, then he says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given to you. Now, having said that, then God offers a, a strong word of warning beginning in verses, uh, in verse 11 and going through 14. Beware that you do not forget the Lord, your God, by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I'm commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. What an applicable statement to all of us. 
when God prospers you, how easy it is to forget him. Most applicable to us. Compared to the rest of the world, Americans have been blessed financially and materially in an incredible way. Incredible way. And God knows that when we have a lot of things, when, as someone put it, the good times roll, how easy it is to forget him and to become proud and think that our own hand has accomplished everything that we we have, rather than seeing them as blessings that come from God. The Apostle Paul issued forth a very direct warning about this very thing in 1 Timothy chapter 6. That's why I told you to stay in Timothy. 1 Timothy 6.17, and keep your place there. Notice what he says. He told Timothy, Timothy, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Let's just stop there. Paul warned that the danger of being wealthy and having an overabundance of things is that instead of humbly trusting God to provide for us, we're tempted to be lifted up with pride, thinking that we are better than those who don't have as much as us. Because look how, look how great we are. That, that our own creativity, our own hard work, our own smarts got us all of this. And we, we think that we're better than those who don't have as much. And, and not only that, Paul says that there's a tendency to trust in our riches, having, having our, our security and dependency on bank accounts rather than on the Lord. In other words, he's saying it's not always easy to depend upon God for provisions when you have more than you need. And we understand that. That is a struggle for all of us, regardless of how much you have. We're all, we're all in this in the sense of our culture that we live in. So in, in light of this abundance that most of us have in America, it's a very relevant warning for us. And it really raises an important question that I want to address with you. Question is this, is it wrong then for a Christian to have a surplus of material goods? Is it a sin for a believer to have luxuries? Now, I have a friend, actually he's a missionary, who believes that. He believes that. He's very outspoken about that. You shouldn't have more than, than you need. And I think what he would say is, y'all should give it all to missions and just live on the bare essentials of life. That's what he believes. Question is this. If Jesus told us to pray only for our daily needs, is it wrong for a believer to have more than the necessities of life? Let me put it this way, and I'm coming at it from a number of, of angles. Is it wrong for us to enjoy some of the good things in this life without having to feel guilty about it because others don't enjoy some of these same things? Now, some would tell us, you should feel guilty about it. You ought to get rid of, of everything. You know what? That's not what Scripture says. My friend is wrong. My friend is wrong. Indeed, he is wrong. There are plenty of verses that tell us so, but because time is running short, we'll have to save them for our next class. I know many godly people who are quite wealthy, and they see what they have as a trust from God. They are able to serve the Lord in ways most of us could only dream about. That doesn't make them better or more important, though. Just stewards of another part of God's possessions. You have been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. This ministry, Verse by Verse Ministries, is an outgrowth of Pastor Steve's 25-plus years of teaching at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry which depends on the prayers and gifts of interested listeners 
who have first been supportive of their local church. To hear this program again, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can subscribe to our free podcasting service or simply listen to it online. We have other previously aired classes available there too if you click on the archive link. While you're at it, why not sign up for our complimentary newsletter? It has information about verse-by-verse ministries as well as some helpful Bible study tools. All that and more is available at versebyverseradio.org. Today's class was the middle part of a three-part message on the phrase in the Lord's Prayer, Give us this day our daily bread. If you would like to hear the entire message all at once without announcements, you can order it on CD or cassette by calling 727-441-1714. Please leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727 727- 